Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 1853 podcast of Monmouth College. I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing, and this is the 1853 podcast, a weekly program in which we tell you about the people, events, programs, and history that make Monmouth an outstanding National Liberal Arts College. And we try to get that done in about 18 minutes and 53 seconds. In this edition number 33 of the 1853 podcast of Mama's 2017-18 school year, we'll look back on what was an absolutely incredible commencement weekend. Mammoth College held its 161st commencement ceremony last weekend, and in a word, it was wonderful. From the superb concert on Friday night to the commencement ceremony itself held at noon Sunday, it was more than 40 hours that reminded everyone why indeed it is great to be a Scot. So in this special commencement edition of the 1853 podcast, we'll hear from this year's commencement speaker, celebrated author Min Jin Lee. Then we'll also check in with Mammoth baseball coach Alan Baterney, as you might have watched and read on MammothScots.com, your home for all things Fighting Scots related on the World Wide Web. The Mammoth College baseball team is headed back to the NCAA Division III Baseball Championship Tournament. This is the Monmouth College 1853 podcast, and I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. Before we chat with author and 2018 Monmouth College commencement speaker, Min Jin Lee, I want to tell you about the place to go on the World Wide Web for coverage of Monmouth's 2018 commencement ceremony, and that's monmouthcollege.edu slash commencement. On that homepage, you'll find links to stories, videos from the weekend's events, and more than 1,200 photos from the weekend as well. Of course, none of that media would be possible without the exceptional work of some exceptional people. That includes not just my colleagues in the communications and marketing office who did an incredible job covering the events all weekend long, but everyone at the college who made commencement such a special weekend. So rather than risk omitting someone by thanking specific people, I'll just say this. Go to monmouthcollege.edu slash directory. That is a page of all of the Monmouth College faculty and staff, and they will all responsible in their own way of contributing to either a great commencement weekend or helping the students to the point where they were ready to graduate from this grand old college and now be known as Noble Scots. Author Min Jin Lee gave this year's commencement address at Monmouth College. You can read more about Lee as well as watch her commencement address by going to monmouthcollege.edu slash commencement. Lee is the author of two critically acclaimed novels, several short stories, as well as several pieces of nonfiction. Her most recent novel, Pachinko, was a finalist last year for the prestigious National Book Award. A 2018 recipient of a Guggenheim Fellowship for Fiction, Lee has been named a fellow at the Radcliffe Institute for Advanced Studies at Harvard University for 2018-19, where she will research and write her third novel, American Hagborn. 
I caught up with Lee on Saturday. She came to campus a day early to personally sign more than 250 copies of Panchinko, which were given to each graduate. Lee was recently in Australia, where she had given a talk and reading about Pachinko. She said that having a book appear on the New York Times bestsellers list definitely changes your life. I think that the big change for me is that since the book has come out, gradually it's gotten a kind of growing effect. And then the effect has been that there's a kind of multiplier and it's been going around the world. So at this point, I think we've sold to 25 countries. So the the book just keeps going and going. And it's been on the New York Times bestseller list, I guess, for 14 weeks. And it's selling around the world. And nationally, it's been doing really well with independent bookstores. Lee says she's been pleasantly surprised by the success of Pachinko, especially because she was not sure the book would even be published. No, I did not think it would be successful. I actually thought that no one would publish it. And when I finally gave the copy to the agent, I thought that in case she couldn't sell it, I could take the manuscript, send it to a probably a third tier independent press and maybe publisher for free and then walk away from the project because I was so tired of it. Pachinko's the story about four generations of a Korean family living in 20th century Japan. Although the novel is set in a specific place and time, Lee thinks its theme is what is resonating with readers in the 21st century. I think people reson- people are feeling seen in the sense that they remember what it's like to be excluded. They can connect with people who've been treated unfairly in history. And I think that people might feel that they too have adapted when the world has mistreated them. Because I think in a way, history has mistreated most people who are working class and middle class and people who have not been considered important. Most of us don't make key decisions that influence history. And yet we have to live with the decisions that people in charge make. And I think that we know that that's not fair. And yet we don't have much of a choice. We keep persisting. And I think in that sense, the macro picture of the novel, people do connect with that. Obviously, none of us, most of us are not Korean Japanese. Japanese, so why would we be interested in that? But I think all of us can connect with the idea that life is unfair. I think most people are outsiders, and especially in terms of history, history has neglected everybody who doesn't have a primary document. So if you have any history of illiteracy or poverty or just not being an important person, then essentially you're being excluded by history. And I think that I've always felt very upset by this idea. Lee was also a little surprised that she became a writer. She majored in history at Yale. She then attended law school at Georgetown University and worked as a lawyer for several years in New York City. Toward the end of college, and even then, I didn't really think I would ever be a writer. I thought, oh, isn't writing a great thing? But I didn't think anybody actually made a living from it. Actually, most people still don't make a living from it. I was a lawyer. I was a lawyer, and I was pretty good at it, but it was really difficult. And I think I was... I think because I had this illness from childhood that I thought that I had to be really careful with my time. And then by the time I quit being a lawyer, only two years after practicing, it's because practicing law was so intense on my body that I thought, well, writing can't be that hard. 
so if I don't make any money, that's one thing. But I had some money saved in the bank. I had $15,000 and I thought, oh, well, I'll just write a book. <laughs> and then, of course, it took me 12 years to publish this book. And maybe it's because of Lee's background as a lawyer where observation and discernment of facts are key strengths to have that she's such an astute observer of human nature in her writing. My inspiration always comes from ordinary people. It's always been ordinary people because I I feel very ordinary and I've always felt very unspectacular. <laughs> so I think for me, I kind of think, well, even though I may be unspectacular, ordinary, I know that I, I have all these vivid wishes. How do I take all these vivid wishes and put them into a narrative that makes sense for me? Also, I have to confess that every day I look at what's happening around the world and it's really quite... It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking what's happening around the world. I think there's so much brokenness. So my little position in life is I want to make something that has beauty and order and design. And for me, that's in writing fiction. Artists are constantly trying to make sense of the chaos. There's so much chaos. If you think about the 18 or 19 events that happen in your day, two of them are important, the rest of it just kind of unimportant. But essentially, you have this massive information and content constantly being thrown at you. And most individuals don't even have time to process hardly any any of it. I think it's the job of the artist to take all those things that are in chaos and create something meaningful to try to understand the narrative of the day as well as the entire spectrum of history, depending upon which period you see. For me, I am humbled by the job that all of us have and the lives that we ordinary people live. And somehow, I would also like to create something beautiful. And that's something else besides creating design out of chaos. As Lee points out, you can learn a lot from just observing people. I think people are fascinating. Like, I have never met a dull person in my entire life. People are really, really interesting. And if you really observe them, they'll knock you out. And if you give them the space, they'll really put on a show for you. So in my experience, I don't even have to talk because people are so different. And I've met people all over the planet now, and everybody's incredibly original. Lee says she also notices how distracted most people are today, too busy to simply observe and notice the world around them. I think all of us are distracted. That's what I really notice in the world is that all of us are really distracted and then not enough people are given sufficient attention. So when you give them attention, they tend to overdo it. I think we notice other people less because one, we're distracted and because two, we're preoccupied by things that are really quite unimportant. And then because we're distracted and occupied by things that are important and we're trying to make a living, all those things, then we think we have very little time to notice. But it doesn't take that much time to notice ordinary people. Like if you had 15 minutes in a day and said, I'm just gonna be really quiet and just like watch people for 15 minutes, you'd be amazed at what you could see. So I'm kind of sorry that we're not as observant as we could be because I think if we were, we would be a far more compassionate society. 
Although Lee is very busy right now promoting Pachinko, which is an excellent novel and a must-read this summer, she's already looking ahead to her third novel. I got a Radcliffe Fellowship at Harvard, which will fund me for the whole year, and then I got a Guggenheim Foundation Fellowship, which will fund me for all my research around the world to interview Hagwon instructors. So Hagwon are tutoring centers, and these are tutoring centers that Koreans set up around the world. So... I will have this opportunity to write this novel in a way that I've never had before, where I've always funded myself or my husband has helped me. So this time it'll be me just working on the book and I feel very, very fortunate. Lee says the researching stage of writing a novel is a very enjoyable part of the writing process. I like this part, the very, very beginning when I get to be playful like a child and I start making things up. And after I put it down on paper, I'll realize that it sucks. But until then, it's just all joy and play right now. And I and I allow myself that because writing is so difficult and publication is so difficult and marketing is so difficult that I try to take pleasure in this moment. This is a fun part before anybody actually expects anything of it. Because once you publish it, people expect things of you and they put metrics on things and it gets measured against other things. All these things happen that's very unlike, like imagine if you had a child when you have a baby, you're just so happy you have a baby. <laughs> you're like, oh, this baby could do no wrong. It smells good. And you're happy to do dumb things like change diapers because you love this baby so much. All of a sudden, it goes to school and all of a sudden it becomes like this measured thing. Like, oh, are they walking on time? Are they talking on time? Are they drinking out of a cup? And and it's those things, the external, external measurements, which make us feel self-conscious. So I think it's important to just enjoy the baby. That's Min Jin Lee, the critically acclaimed author, gave the commencement address at Mama's 161st commencement ceremony. You can read more about Min Jin Lee as well as all of Mammoth's 161st commencement ceremony activities and events on the Mammoth College website. The homepage for commencement is mammothcollege.edu slash commencement. And you can follow Min Jin Lee on Twitter, where she's quite active. She's on Twitter at Min Jin Lee and then the number 11. This is a good place in the podcast to remind you of the plethora of ways in which you can follow Monmouth College throughout the social media spectrum. The college's main Facebook page is facebook.com slash Monmouth College. The college's main Twitter account is at Monmouth, and the college is on Instagram at Monmouth College. If you're on Snapchat, be sure to follow Mammoth on Snapchat at This Is Mammoth. And to get in the mood for this summer, you can always dial up Mammoth College on Spotify and listen to some great playlists. Mammoth athletic teams won their respective Midwest Conference titles last weekend, and they both did it at home. At April Zorn Memorial Stadium, the men's track and field team won its 17th conference title in the last 18 years, and the Scots women's team finished second. Meanwhile, over at Glasgow Field, the Mammoth baseball team claimed its Midwest Conference title. 
Monmouth baseball coach Alan Baterni certainly can relate to the thrill and excitement his players will experience when they open play in the NCAA Division III Baseball Championship Tournament on Thursday night. The Fighting Scots baseball team is down in the St. Louis area to play in the double elimination regional, which is hosted by Webster University. The Scots are seeded seventh in the eight-team regional field, and they face the tournament's number two seed, University of Wisconsin at Whitewater, which was ranked number one nationally in the recently released national poll. The first pitch of the Monmouth-Whitewater game is scheduled for 7.45 Central Time on Thursday evening. Overall, 58 teams are competing in eight regionals to play in the double elimination championships, which will be held at the end of May up in Appleton, Wisconsin. Back in 2002, Allen was a freshman on the last Monmouth team to qualify for the NCAA Division III Baseball Championship Tournament, so you might say it's deja vu all over again for him. It's been a long time. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be there when when we hosted it here and and uh, got to see what it meant my first year here, and uh, that kind of really set the tone for the rest of my playing career and actually for the rest of my life, I guess you could say, but uh, yeah, it's something that's very special. Uh, I'm very happy to bring it back and uh, hopefully we can keep this thing going. As I mentioned, Monmouth got into the national tournament by winning the Midwest Conference tournament last weekend, which they did at home. They won all three games they played at Glasgow Field by a combined score of 23 to 10. The Scots' overall record of 28-12-1 includes the most wins in program history. I'm just happy for the guys on on how much work that they put into this season um, and, and all you know just the hard work. It's you know it pays off and uh, and and it's good for them to kind of see that as as the season goes on. Uh, you know as much as they may not agree with us sometimes. You know um, you know it kind of shows that you know if you buy in, you work hard, you control what you guys can control and everything else is going to take care of itself. And Allen says that it was especially sweet to win the conference championship right at home. There's nothing like it just in, you know, in front of the home fans, uh, families, uh, alumni that were there, um, you know, professors were there. I mean, it was just, I mean, it was a great feeling for everybody. Looking back on the 2018 season, Allen says he knew this year's team was pretty special after they staged several late inning comebacks. That and, and putting up six runs, eight runs in one inning. I mean, that right there, I'm like, oh man, this is a, you know, this is a team that could do some pretty special things and, uh, you know, and, and just keep working hard and, and they have fun. They're a family. They're so close. Uh, um, and that's something that you have to have if you want to be successful. As the Scots prepare to play in a regional that includes two top 25 teams, Allen says he's thought back to something his former coach, Monmouth's legendary Roger Sander, was fond of telling his teams. You know, I remember Coach Sander used to always tell us, you can roll out the New York Yankees and we're still going to play. And that's uh, that's exactly what we're going to do. It's, you know, I told these guys yesterday, don't worry about who you're playing. Just go out there and play baseball. Play Monmouth College baseball and and you do everything right. And um, it doesn't matter who's on the other side. I mean, they, they got to do the same thing. So, uh, you know, we're just wanting to have fun. Um, you know, it went a couple games along the way and see what happens. And, um, you know, we just want to really enjoy the moment. 
Allen says that being first and engaged are keys to performing well in the regional. We use it first pitch, stay up from the first pitch to the last pitch, don't take an inning off. Uh, you know, especially with our guys, they feed off the dugout, they feed off each other. And, um, you know, there'll be times where I hold the dugout more more responsible than, than the other players because, uh, you know, if it's quiet, then something's wrong, you know, and, and, and we want to win the inning. You know, we want to set the tone. Uh, you know, you win the inning, you give yourself a pretty darn good chance to win the game. And, uh, you know, if they answer back, then you got to keep going. Um, you know, we want to score two, three runs and have a shutdown inning, you know, and give ourselves a chance. In addition to creating a lot of excitement locally, Allen says the success of this year's Monmouth baseball team has also been observed from afar. All the commits that we have come, coming in for next year, I mean, I think all of them have called or texted and uh, and just they, they can't wait to be a part of this, you know, because they see how special it is with them watching on, on the Internet. They, they see the celebrations. They see the fight that we have. And, you know, that kind of reassures them, like, okay, Monmouth College is the right place for us. And, you know, and, uh, and bringing that culture and keeping it and, and making them understand this is something that's very, very special. That's Monmouth baseball coach Alan Baterney. His Fighting Scots open play in the NCAA Division III Baseball Championship Tournament on Thursday night against the University of Wisconsin at Whitewater. If you can't make the trip down to the Gateway City, point your browser to mamascots.com where you will find a link to the live stream of a game. You can also follow Monmouth Baseball on Twitter at MC Scots Baseball. And of course, to follow all Monmouth College athletics on Twitter, dial in to MC Fighting Scots. Looking ahead to next week's 1853 podcast, we'll meet some of the first graduates of Mama's Global Public Health Triad. We'll also learn about a new Peace Corps program that started at the college. And as we do every week, we'll check in with the friendly folks over in the Huff Athletic Center. And that's going to be a 30 for this year's 33rd edition of Mammoth College's 1853 podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the program. Tell us what you think by firing off an email to us at news at monmouthcollege.edu. Be sure to put podcast in the subject line. Until our next edition, this is Dwayne Bonifer with the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. Thanks so much for listening. So long, everybody, and have a nice day. Thank you.